episode put in um, RC sound. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea, Jordan. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the po- podcast. It's the Macaw Podcast Universe. And today we are talking about the Deadpool. And we're not talking about Ryan Reynolds. We're not talking about Marvel. We're, we're not too talking cool about X-Men. to talk about De- Deadpool as popular culture knows it. We're going to talk about the the Ridge. The O Ridge. <laughs> when it used to be the space dead space pool. Yeah, that's right. Back when things were a little bit simpler. Back when back when you were allowed to say this kind of stuff. You know, the Deadpool. Um, yeah, so we have been covering the Dirty Harry movies. Uh, we also exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. Yes, and we're on the last of the Dirty Harry movies. Uh-huh. And uh, I am Micah McCaw. You are Jordan McCaw. We are married in union together. Sure. Uh, Not sure. I guess. Huh? <laughs> you oh, okay. said it so fast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm having some weird weirdness with the wavelengths here. So that's why I keep looking around and I, 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 I didn't situate myself well before we started recording. So I'm moving everything around. Faux pas. Yeah. Very faux pas. I'm looking and yeah, here we go. We're, we're doing good. Um, yes. So, wow. We've gone through it. Um, and I was under every impression that this movie was going to be a tough and horrible watch. Yeah, even though it's short. Even though it's short. Um, because it's like, it's been so long. It's the fifth movie in this franchise. And this franchise has had some lows. Uh-huh. It's had some highs. Uh-huh. But, oh boy, howdy, I loved this movie. <laughs> and it's not just because of Jim Carrey. No, well, no, no. spoiler. It's not just because of Liam Neeson. Uh-huh. It's because of a special, special thing that happens that I've never seen in a movie that we're not going to talk about quite yet that had Jordan and I rolling on the floor with laughter. Yep. I am not kidding you when I say the amount of joy this movie gave me is higher than the amount of joy most movies do. I <laughs> loved this movie. We were laughing t- up to the caliber of me laughing at Havoc in X-Men First Class. <laughs> this, I think we laughed more probably because it was a much longer scene (laughs) yeah um and it rules and i i have since made sure that that is on youtube and that's like just that scene is just watchable at any time oh it is uh so that's good because i i may need that every six months or so so we're at the end of the series and we uh were in the year of 1988 and this movie came out july 13th had a $31 million budget. Was That's... this your first time seeing it? Yes. We didn't talk about it. It's your first time, too. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is my podcast, okay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm whipping off my socks, baby. Summer's coming. Although summer's here for you guys. So a $31 million budget. Yes. Now, I couldn't quite get confirmation on that, but I saw it in two different places, so I think okay. that's about right. Um. And the movie made 37, almost 38. Oh, that's not a lot. Made the least, I think, out of all of them. Yeah. So not a big hit. Um, this probably... one was the campiest out of all of them. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, doggy dog. James Carey was in this. Yeah, James Carey, not Jim Carey. Yeah. Um, 
The movie's directed by Buddy Van Horn, who directed, of course, the classic movie Any Which Way You Can, the sequel to Every Which Way But Loose. (laughs) (laughs) It just keeps coming back. Jordan, do not let me forget to put in my calendar that we have to cover that on Patreon. We have to cover the Any Which Way But Loose. Um, And then the screenplay is by Steve Sharon. And... uh, uh, the story is by Steve Sharon, and then this kind of blew my mind a little bit. The story is also by Dirk Pearson and Sandy Shaw, and they are best known as scientists who research longevity and life extension. Um, and they uh, they wrote this movie. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's what I got. This is ripped right from the pages. Um, their research is best known for books on, uh, longevity, life extension, a practical science, scientific approach is the name of the book. That's what they're best known for. Okay. Um, Pearson and Shaw wrote, designed the stunts and acted as technical advisors on a 1978 episode of the wonderful world of Disney called black holes, monsters that eat space and time. They acted. Oh, I bet that's pretty interesting. <laughs> probably, especially from 1978. Yeah. Uh, they acted as scientific and technical advisors and received screen credits for the Clint Eastwood film Firefox. They received screen cr- credits for acting as technical advisors for Douglas Trumbull's film Brainstorm, starring Natalie Wood. And in 1988, Steve Sharon, Pearson, and Shaw wrote the thriller The Deadpool, which was later um, sold to Warner Brothers and made into a Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry film. Pearson and Shaw make a cameo appearance in the funeral scene. So scientists wrote this movie. Okay. Um, And once again, it sounds like it was just from that sentence makes it sound like it wasn't like they wrote a Dirty Harry movie. Like they wrote a movie and then Warner Brothers acquired it and was like, let's make another Dirty Harry movie. Here's the script. This just makes me think then that they're just really big crime fans. Yeah, I guess so. Mystery thrillers. Because I don't see the connection. No. that's There is a technological aspect to this movie, though, that shines brighter than any of the others. Um, the cinematography is by Jack N. Green, and we talked about Jack N. Green on a Patreon episode because he shot a movie called Speed 2, mm. Cruise Control. Okay. Um, I recently re-listened to that episode of ours. Uh-huh. And, uh, wow. I had forgotten how boring that movie was. Yeah. And it's pre- it's a pretty funny episode. If you are not a patron, I would advise you to sign up and listen to it because it's... It, we are trying so hard to talk about it, but we also are so angry that we sat through that movie. <laughs> it's a classic angry Jordan mm-hmm. and Micah episode. Um, and then he also shot Absolute Power and Unforgiven. Uh, and then the music is again by Lalo Schifrin. Yeah. Talk about it. You had some opinions. It is so 80s and so weird. But, but like... The music and moments that probably wouldn't be in other parts of the other movies, uh-huh. or but th- that like were the to- tonally were very strange, yeah, and very just classic eighties. Like we all discovered what a synth is, right? And even we're though using it's like it. the late eighties at this point, yeah. Um, but and we're using it to death, and then also like they're in Chinatown at one point, and the score is very Chinese, I guess. Well, yeah, they 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 work on like um, I don't know if it's like the Chinese scale, but it's like a scale of music, um, where you basically you you just have seven notes or five notes in the scale. You can bounce back and forth, and it has a 
it has that vibe to it. And it was just very, it was weird. Yeah. I mean, I think there's more notes in that, but it's like typically how it works. Like if, if you go to, I didn't need to get into it, but well, but if you go to a piano and just hit the black keys and bounce back and forth, you can like get that feel. If you it, oh. if you just randomly hit them, okay, and you kind of get that feel. So that's why I'm thinking it's. it's five I think notes. it was, it felt weird because they just happened to be in Chinatown. This, yeah, this movie didn't like revolve around <laughs> no, no, no. like Chinese American people. Well, it's like that thing when anytime you go to the Middle East in any movie yeah. ever, the score's always like, <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, you don't have to do that every time. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's just a, like, they, they apply that to any country that has a desert. Uh-huh. Is, is always uh-huh. like what that musical cue does. And it's a little like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so it was in that vein, I thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... This is the first of the Dirty Harry movies to not have Albert Powell in it, who is the guy from the original movie that, you know, he says, "Make uh, do you feel lucky? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, That's right. Yeah, he wasn't in it because of scheduling conflicts. Never got to be his partner. Nope. I, I mean, like, he wasn't his partner in the last movie, but that's as close as he got. Yeah. Um, and then in this movie, Clint Eastwood says a line that made you kind of roll your eyes. Yeah, it was like, they were obviously like, this is the line in this movie, because every movie has a line, which yeah. we discovered. And they they were just so sure about this one. Uh-huh. And it it fell so flat. And they did it twice. Well, here's what... You, you, you were fine with it? Here's what I'm going to say. So he says, well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Oh, no, that's not what I'm referring to. Um, that's not the line. Oh, okay. Well, let me do Go this. Ahead. Okay. So you, you, when he said that, you said, you were like, ugh. I think I said, uh, reference, like, a, that's such, like, a dad joke. Yeah. Um, but I could not find references to this uh, slogan before Dirty Harry. So I think this that originates from. That they made up the from, joke? Yeah, I think they did. And only dads watched this movie. Yeah, because the only one I saw when I was Googling it and trying to find another one was a book that came out in 2006 that used it as well. Oh, so I that's funny. I think it is like from this movie. To me, the line of the movie that they did it twice in this movie uh-huh. is when they're in the Chinese restaurant and those guys are um, robbing the place. Oh, yeah. And he's like, wait, let me read my fortune. Oh, and he yeah, opens yeah. the fortune cookie and he says, it says you're shit out of luck. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then at the yeah. very end of the movie, when he has a freaking harpoon, he says, I forget the lead up to it, but he's like, you're shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is it nuts, though. It's pretty lame. All three of them, except the, I think the third one, all, all four of them have really famous lines uh-huh. from them. Um, and they don't repeat the lines in other movies, no. which r- really surprised me. Yeah. I thought he was going to do a, um, do you feel lucky in every movie? I, me too. Um, but yeah, so in the TV version though, uh, he says opinions are like airheads. Every unit has one, which I don't even understand what that means, but I thought it was funny to point out. Okay. I'm just thinking about (laughs) it. Um, okay. Yeah. Now we, I, so I got on YouTube because this was the movie we didn't have and we like to rent from YouTube. Uh, we're, we're not sponsored, um, but uh, we would take a sponsorship. Um, and so I'm I'm Google I'm I'm searching the movie, getting ready to rent it, and I see it was the second or third video down. It was like 
all Jim Carrey scenes, the Deadpool. And I was like, huh? Because in previous episodes, you'll remember I kept telling Jordan, there's someone crazy in the Deadpool um, that that you said you didn't want to know. The person I was referring to was Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Which was crazy. But when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, Jordan, we're in for something. Uh-huh. I don't know what it'll be. And you're like, okay. And he wasn't billed. He wasn't billed either. Now, here's what I want to do. Deep dive on Jim Carrey. Yeah. Now, I have the info right here. Oh, do I not need to look anything up? You don't. I took care of it for you because I, I went down the rabbit hole. Okay. So, the, you know, stand-up comedian, working the biz, trying to make it. Yep. Uh... The first thing he's in is something called Cooper Mountain. Not from what I see. No, I'm doing. Just let me okay, let me fine. do this. Don't fine. don't look. Don't look. Uh, I'm sure there's like TV appearances there's in like there as a, well. A TV movie before that. Okay, but this is this that is he's, not, he's on the cover of. It's probably Cooper Mountain. No, it's not. I'm what is it you, called? It's like Rubberface or something. Oh, okay. What year is it? Eighty-one. Okay. Okay. T- oh, TV movie. These are like a uh, movie, like film sure. or whatever. I don't know. They- films? Films? Films. So Cooper Mountain, and this is a quasi-commercial for Club Med, and uh, uh, it, which is a ski resort in Cooper Mountain, Colorado. Okay. <laughs> so it's a commercial? The, the, no, it's one hour long. Oh. The majority of the runtime consists of interspersed performances by prominent country and rhythm and blues musicians such as Ronnie Hawkins, Rita Coolidge, and Chicago frontman J- Bill Champlin, uh, with whom accomplished songwriter Alan Thicke co-wrote the popular song Sarah. Um, and it stars Jim Carrey and Alan Thicke. What? <laughs> I kind of want to watch that. Uh, uh, so, And here's the plot. Two friends, Bobby... Todd, who's Carrie, and Jackson Reach, Alan Thicke, travel from the hometown of Grimsby to the Club Med Village in Cooper Mountain. Jackson intends to hit the slopes and ski while Bobby attempts to seduce women with impressions and routines. Eventually, Jackson... I wonder who plays who. (laughs) Eventually, Jackson wins a challenge race and Bobby finds companionship by being himself. So, that's the first... Uh, so what what do you what do you have actually now? Because I want to make sure we give the audience the truth. Well, now you have to wait a second because you made me get out of it, and now now it's all crashing. Okay, hold on. Just oh, you mean IMDb is crashing? Yeah. What a surprise! I know. Okay, okay, okay. So yeah, Rubberface was the first thing that I saw, which is I don't know if this is a TV. Oh, it is a TV movie. Um, and he's on the cover of it. Okay. It's Canadian. Okay. And then after that, it's all good taste. Show? Um, comedy. Hour 25. What What am I... What was I looking at then? I'm confused now. I don't know. Okay, keep talking. He doesn't talking. seem to be... A, wow, that is a gross poster. Like, everyone's naked on it. Um, but even, I, I don't think he's... James? It, it's got a, a 2.9 rating. Oh, it says selected filmography. That's what I was looking at. Oh, but then man. Cooper Mountain's next, and then you have the Sex and Violence Family Hour, and I don't want to know what that's about. <laughs> then he's in an episode of Buffalo Bill. He is in Finders Keepers, which is a movie. Um, yeah. So these are just not that famous or something, because yeah, it's it's not in it's only in his. So, you know, when you go to his, like, actual filmography, not selected filmography. So these are not, like, uh, 
significant in any way. No, but he is in 13 episodes of The Duck Factory, the comic adventures of the employees of a hard luck animation company, and he seems to be the lead in that. Okay. That's interesting. And then he's in a a movie called Once Bitten in 1985. A vampire countess needs to drink the blood of a virgin in order to keep her eternal beauty. Um, It seems that all is hopeless until she bumps into Mark Kendall. And let me just tell you who Mark Kendall is. (laughs) James Carey. Um, So now I'll take back over. Well, I'll do one more before Deadpool. Because that's what I was going to say. Peggy Sue got married. Peggy Sue got married. Okay. So comedy. Fantasy comedy. Then he does the Deadpool, which is like kind of a, I guess, a serious role you'd consider it. I mean, we're going to talk about the actual Wow, Nick, Nicholas Cage is in this. That's a, Peggy's Who Got Married It's a, a Coppola movie. That's right. Wait. That, no, I'm thinking of that movie Moonstruck. That's the one with the hand. That's not uh, a Coppola the, movie. I know, but that's a Nicholas Cage's that movie. That is, yeah. Okay. Is he, is he in Peggy's Who Got Married as yeah. well? Yeah. Nicholas Cage. I haven't seen it. Me neither. Um... Anyway, so then he's in the Deadpool, which is, uh, uh, you know, that's his uh, dramatic role, I guess. Then he's in a couple other movies that are that are not that exciting. Uh huh. But then he's in something called Ace Ventura: Pet Detective in 1994, mm-hmm. and in the same year, 1994, he's in another movie called The Mask. Also, um, leading up to all of this, because he's in 124 episodes of it. Um, he's in In Living Color, which I think, and I, is that like the Canadian that's, SNL? Uh, yeah, but that's not that's not before the Deadpool. He he joins that in I think nineteen ninety. Uh, yeah. Oh no, I know it's not before Deadpool, but it's before Ace Ventura. Yeah. Before the Mask. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's Canadian. I think it is, but I'm I'm not but sure. But it has that's like where the Wayans brothers come from. Oh well, I don't think they're Canadian, so no. It's an African-American focused sketch comedy show, okay. which I remember that's how my dad explained it to me. Okay. Um, so yeah, he, he was in that for a while and I think yeah. that was really big for him. But yeah, 1994 was also very big for him. It's, it's one of the biggest runs anyone has ever experienced because yeah, oh. pet, pet detective, yes, the mask. And then at the end of the year, dumb and dumber. Yeah, that's wild. And so he went from like, he, he, in one year went from like, barely being known by anyone to a household name and like one of the highest paid actors like in one calendar year and he continues to be in hits right after that i know because then it's batman forever ace ventura the cable guy liar liar the truman show simon birch which i don't think is a hit but i don't know he was in that uh then you got man on the moon me myself and irene how the grinch stole christmas uh, bruce almighty bruce almighty eternal sunshine i mean lemony snickets i don't think people liked it but i think it made money I think kids liked it, right? I I don't know. Oh. I don't think it did that well. But I think it made money, you know, like a big opening weekend kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh fun with Dick and Jane. And then and then you start getting into where he's like not quite as dependable after that. Okay. Wait, would you not agree? Um I don't think it really matters anymore. Oh yeah, but If that makes sense. But I mean, like those those were like he was appointment viewing, and he is no longer appointment sure, viewing. Anymore. Sure, sure, sure. But now yeah. he's got the Eggman. Yeah. So you know, people want to see him as Doctor Robotnik. Um. So that character has two names. Yeah. Oh, okay. Doctor Robotnik and the Eggman. Okay. Because he's in an egg. I I know I was never clear on that. Okay. I just knew that I had to free all those furry pets that he'd captured at the <laughs> end of uh each level. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, 
So anyway, I, I just wanted to take people on that little journey. Uh, wild stuff, wild performance in this movie, wild which we will get into. Very fascinating person. I said on a, a Patreon episode, which has come out by now, right? The one we recorded last night? Yeah. No, that is out in two months. Oh, oh wait. Oh, wait. The- Oh no! It that would, one would have come out. It, yes, I forgot that we're in the future as well. Yes. Yes, that one so, would have come out last Patreon for for a mass audience because everyone's clamoring to hear. Yeah. That when I was a kid. Yeah. My two. If you had asked me who is my favorite actor, oh, I bet my, I can get it right. Oh, oh well, I'm just gonna say it. My I would have said Jim Carrey and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. If they were in any movie when I was a kid, I would watch that movie. Um. So. Seeing him in this, it just I just love seeing him in anything, good, yeah. bad, whatever. Uh, weird guy, though. And um, the opening scene for him in this movie, doing the music video, I was genuinely laughing. Like, I th- it just was, he was, he's just too funny. Yeah. I was laughing. He has one of the most expressive faces anyone has ever had in Hollywood. Yeah. And he has always been uh, anxious to use it. Yes. So, um, and he uses it. To great effect in this movie. He really does. I wish he lasted longer, Johnny Squares. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, hit me with some actors, Judge. Oh, so I mean, we've covered Liam. We've we covered Clint. Oh, because of Star Wars. We've covered Jim. Patricia Clarkson plays Samantha Walker. Um, she is one of the Tammies from Parks and Rec. She is Tammy number one, I think. Okay. Um, I hope I'm right. Um, but she is also in the Green Mile, the Station Agent, Far From Heaven, Shutter Island. She said so much stuff. Oh, and House of Cards. That's right. Um, Evan C. Oh, Kim. Was she like really annoying to us in House of Cards? Was it that person? I don't remember. Re- there was an actor that like showed up in like the fifth season or something, and every time they were on screen, we were like, get, get someone's got to end this show. Well, she did show. I do remember her showing up late, but I don't remember being annoyed by her. Okay. I've always liked her, but maybe her character was awful. You well, know? The, I mean, the show's writing did not improve as the seasons went no, on. No, no, no. So you know yeah. that's a big part of it. Man, so I don't, I don't think about that show. I forget now that, that I've I, watched it. Uh, me too. And it's just when I do, which I'm thinking right now, it's like, man, I, that that was such a like lightning in a bottle for me. Yeah. To watch that show because it came out like right when we got out of high school. And by then I had watched Breaking Bad and that Breaking Bad to me is like the first adult dr- dramatic show that I really liked and watched. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not a kid anymore. Uh-huh. And when ha- you told me about House of Cards, I remember you recommended it and it's like, wow, this show was so adult. It's so crazy. I have no idea what they're talking about, but it is dramatic and wild. And I just can't imagine anything about that show being good. Yeah, I I think it's I I'm with you where it feels like if I watch it now I'd be like oh I'm too old to like this, like like you have to be at an age where you're like you're like oh wow this is like like good TV like before yeah. you realize how much good TV there yeah, is yeah, maybe yeah, right <laughs> but I think it also felt good to watch something that was new that yeah. was for adults you know but at the same time like I don't know how much of it is colored by we just found out Kevin Spacey was a creep and it felt weird that we'd spent so much time supporting that show i was pretty out i mean i i do really think that i was pretty out on it before that stuff came out because i remember like the last season because i don't remember which season i got to well i think so there were six there are six seasons total we got to through all of kevin spacey 
Yeah, so I never watched the last one. Yeah. But I remember that last season that I had watched. It just got to a... The depravity got to a point that it's like, this is just, like, sick and actually yeah. kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. And it's oh, supposed yeah, to be because shock value. Remember there was that scene where, uh, like, Frank was, like... He was kind of like, check out my bodyguard. And then it, it was implied that they all had a threesome. And yes. it was just very, like... What are we like? And it was, he was not like set up in a any relationship way. with his yeah with his like bodyguard, but it was very much of a power play. It was so it weird. was just like so bad. It and was so poorly and, and, written. And boring. It was just boring too. Yeah, and it sucked. Anyway, Evan C. Kim plays Alquan, his partner. Oh, okay. He's also in Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah. V. Uh huh. Or five. I don't know. <laughs> Caveman. Um Loving Lulu, LA Law, a lot of a lot of TV. Okay. He seemed like a TV actor. <laughs> he certainly did. Um whoops, did not want to click on that. And then who else is there? I feel like that's kind of all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stop there. Okay. I actually don't know who played the murderer. It's like I have face blindness for that person. Yeah, I I don't really know either. I don't even know what his name was. So sorry, guy. <laughs> um, okay. Wait. Oh. That was Axel Rose. Which person? Musician at funeral and Slash. I knew Slash was in it because I thought you were joking. Well, <laughs> No, <laughs> it, he was wearing the thing that Slash always wears. Yeah, but it's it's like a gimmick. So it's like, it, I, I it's like any I don't know anyone can look like him. I yeah no I knew it was Slash. I was and it was Axl Rose. Was he in the same scene? Musician of Funeral. Both of them. That's what they're built. Okay, so the movie begins. Bad credits. Oh yeah. You you reacted pretty viscerally to them. They were, it was like the same opening credits as the last movie, but it was in awful slow motion and everything was out of focus. Uh-huh. And um, it just looked, it was like, oh, this is not a, setting a good precedent for yeah. what's to come. And the music was really bad. Yeah. Now, it did do something that I have never seen before. And that was, it starts doing the credits. It gets to cinematographer. And then the credits are over. And I was like, it, it was like my brain had, because in case anyone has not noticed this before, there's a certain billing order and it always ends on directed by. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it started out and it was like Clint Eastwood, the Deadpool did the actors. Then it was like music, something else, cinematography. Story. Oh, I don't know it if it did story. story. No, yet. they did that after. And, and it does cinematography. And then it cuts to this like high rise and we see Liam Neeson, Although it never was, I thought that guy was because he's work. He's making his dead his Deadpool. Oh, you're right. But then later on, they're supposed they're throwing you off. Yeah, yeah you're right. So he's watching. His apartment was also really nice compared to what we saw right. later. Um, he's watching TV and he sees this report about like Harry, how Harry Callahan for once did like really good and they were able to like do this case and they stuff got some like that. mob guy in prison. Yeah, that and, needed to be there. And for once, like, they, they're not like the detective messed it up. He went by the book. Which is interesting. It is. Um, and then he's sitting there making what I assumed was a hit list. And he writes I mean, the eighth one. Yeah. And writes Harry Callahan. And you're like, okay. And then the credits start up again. Yeah. 
And I was like, what he the also, heck? But he also has like newspaper magazine clippings strewn everywhere like a serial killer. Yeah. Which is just a crazy person and for also, this to be a game. My dad had told me, oh yeah, Liam Neeson's the bad guy in that one. So I really oh, expected even, him to be the bad full guy. Time, that guy. That guy at the end of the movie is acting so good. <laughs> and he even told your dad. Um, but I, so I've never seen that before. Yeah. And then it's like characters created by, story by, produced by, and then it just shows Clint, Clint Eastwood driving around. For Well, there's like, I think, a good 10 to 15 seconds of movie, and then it flashes on. And then it's like directed, directed by. by. And then it cuts back to Clint Eastwood. So as, as weird as it was, I, I thought it was weird that they did it again. I thought it was kind of cool when they cut to Liam Neeson introduced him and then they cut back to the credits i thought that was an interesting approach to credits because there's an art in credits Mm -hmm. we talk about it often on this show Mm -hmm. and i felt like that was unique i i think it was weird that they kept doing it throughout but if they'd done it that one time it 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 feels kind of like ooh, before the story starts though we got to introduce you to this guy and then we got to go back into the into what we're doing setting the tone because also he's like overlooking the city mm-hmm. you know and i was like i thought it was interesting mm-hmm. did you have any strong feelings about it um it was interesting but disjointed so i don't know how effective it was well this is like the best movie we've covered this year so um uh so then dirty harry gets attacked by some guys while he's driving yeah they they uh purposely make him stop and they start shooting him up and he's trying to drive out of the situation, gets in a car accident, but ends up taking care of business anyway, like he does. Yeah. T-C-O-B. Taking care of business? Yeah, T-C-O-B. <laughs> I, I think it's fun. It finally hit me in this movie that I was like, oh, th- these movies like don't have good action in them, <laughs> like at all. Well, some of the car chases have been cool. So, some of the some of the car chases are cool, but there's a lot of like running chases, and they're never interesting. The running ones, I think that they overestimate how cool they are. Yeah, because they're always like five minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. and it's just funny because it's like you just cut to a close up of Clint Eastwood shooting his gun, not doing anything unique besides shooting his gun, and then you cut to the person getting like blown apart, and it's like, oh, okay, he's just standing there shooting a gun. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, it's not. It's not that interesting. There, well, there's it's not John Wick. There's no hand to hand combat, right? Which of course is newer. Yeah, you know, and as terms in terms it, it of is cinema, newer. but if he had done in this movie, it would have been like I don't buy it probably because of context. Because later on, he's doing some working out that it's also like I don't buy that he's ever done that in his life either. Yeah. So, okay, before we like fully dive into this, I, I realize in the workout scene um, that. It, it it's interesting and it's unique because this is not how cinema works anymore. And I think we've actually talked about this before, but currently if you are a male in Hollywood and you're going to be an action star, you absolutely have to, when you get cast, it doesn't matter if you're playing a detective or a hacker or a bodybuilder, you have to basically be like 235 pounds minimum of pure muscle. And yeah, and, and so if you're like my size, I'm 140, I gotta gain 60 pounds of muscle in order to be in a movie. But probably, probably pump it to like 70 or 80 so that I can like keep up with everybody. And so you have these big lumbering guys who are bigger than the screen themselves. And um, oftentimes it looks great and it's awesome. 
But it, it is just funny that, like, oh, man, the days of this old man just shooting people, being so skinny, not being agile at all, and and everyone in America being like, yeah, Clint Eastwood's the absolute best action hero. I love him. <laughs> yeah, they're just at they're just over. Well, they're, it's just back back then in movies. I know this movie's eighty eight, but I mean he's been around forever. Yeah, and it's just there was just like one like the body type acceptability of men was just like men, men just didn't like work out like they you know we don't yeah. we didn't have yeah. the science that we have today to uh-huh. hone <laughs> in how to and it is so a man is just a block of mass back then. I mean, leg shoulders, <laughs> and he only has muscles probably because he's like a lumberjack when he's not shooting, yeah, or something, you know, or he's like lifting random weights. There's no vanity muscles. There's no vanity muscles at all. Um, but I mean, lest we forget that Frank Sinatra was considered to be Dirty Harry originally. Yeah. I mean, talk about a body type that is not allowed on film anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and and it. And and with 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 Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, those days were they 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 built a coffin, and then I think when Dwayne came on the scene, he put the nails in the coffin, and now you have to be wait. Actually, you know what? Paul Rudd kind of put the nail on the coffin for me personally. Okay, because it was like you're a dink guy, a little dinky guy. You don't you All don't you need. Do, also, you shrink. You shrink. There's no reason for you to be ripped. Yeah, and he's ripped. So that's yeah. how it is. Um, so. Um, now, uh, he meets with, uh, you know, the chief mm-hmm. and he's like, man, you, you, you messed up stuff again. And we're like, wow, we're doing the same plot again. Here mm-hmm. we go. But yeah, because he got into that shootout with those guys, um, and completely destroyed his car, which was a police car. Yeah. So it's like tons of money and damage yet again. That's his responsibility. Um, so they're railing on him about it, but also at the same time, there's a dude there who works for the city or the police department, but I think he's like public relations and they want to get Harry into the more in the public relations side of the, because, because of what he's recently achieved as a cop, they can, he can help bolster the, the police force's public image. Exactly. To which he has absolutely no, no interest in doing. He just wants to be a cop. Right. And do his job. Yeah, and so they team him up with a Chinese American. Yeah, and they're like, "It'll be, it'll look good." Yeah, and actually, this time less than the the third movie where it was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 woman!" Oh no, this one it felt like they they were all kind of like, "Dude, why did you say that?" When yeah. when the guy was like, "It'll look really good if a white guy is with a Chinese," basically American. saying you're his partner not because you're probably good at being a detective, yeah, but because you are Chinese American. So but, they're, they're, but it seemed like the chief and Harry were both like, "Dude, yeah, that sucks that you said that." So yeah. I, I, it felt way better. Yeah, yeah, like way less offensive. Until uh, they do some stuff in the movie that's like it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't go nearly as far as I was expecting them to. Sure. So. I'm like, that's okay. Well, actually, I shouldn't say it's okay. I just am like, it, it didn't feel as bad as it could have felt. Um, and then what's what's funny is after he says, teaming up with a Chinese-American, that's great. Then Dirty Harry says, do you have any kids to the guy who just said that? And the guy goes, no. And he goes, lucky for them. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. Yeah. Then we have the scene. We are introduced to Jim Carrey shooting a music video he is singing welcome to the jungle well he's lip syncing yes welcome to the jungle while and they're replaying they're they're like replicating a scene from the exorcist it's like it's a it's a homage as liam says he says a homage yeah 
Well, he's Irish. Maybe that's how they say it. Um, <laughs> Mike and I also argued about his accent. Um, I think he was trying to be British. I really do in no, this movie. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Okay. He absolutely okay. wasn't. He was speaking. He was speaking how he speaks, but he was obviously putting a lot of oomph to it because he was a very animated character. Yeah. But he was just speaking with an Irish accent. I'm okay. telling you. Okay. Um, and so yeah, the the scene goes on for a while. It so it gets into verse two of uh-huh. Welcome to the Jungle, and it starts from the beginning of the song, like where it's like dang da dang da dang da dang da dang 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 da dang da dang da dang da dang dang does the whole thing gets to verse two and he's just he starts singing at the camera and I'm just like what is happening I know what is happening and he is really hamming it up I think they really wanted they paid a lot of money for that song yeah and they were really getting every ounce every cent out of it if you did not watch this movie I implore you to go on YouTube and watch this scene because it's kind of baffling and uh-huh. remember that this is a cop movie uh-huh. when you do it now internal logic of the movie it, it does make sense but it was yeah. just such a like. We have the cool song that people are listening to, mm-hmm. and we have. I, I mean, I don't think they would have thought he's an up and coming actor. Probably, but they're, they're probably they're impressed like, with him. He's very yeah. talented, and they're like, people are gonna love this. Now, here's here's something that drives my brain insane. So, I don't know why they have a real song in this fake world. It it drives me nuts. It, what? It it just hurts my head because we have this guy. Name, what's his name? Frankie Squares? Johnny Squares. John, Johnny Squares. Basically the same thing. And the I, impl- I, I wish you had said Johnny Triangles or something. <laughs> he he has... It, the implication is this is his song because they're like, you need a music video. Yeah. But then it's a real life song oh, that we I have in our world saying. by a real band that's yeah. a real hit. And the band is in this movie as so themselves. Did they say that it's his song? Well, they said you needed a music video. Why would anyone besides the artist need a music video? I guess because I the song I knew the song. I thought like surely that must mean like they're just putting a like kind of dance number in this movie to give him more to do to showcase his artistic well, talent. I, no, I don't think so because wow. he w- they have the argument because he cuts and the guy's like, oh, this you know Liam Neeson's like this is the worst thing in the world, and then Jim Carrey's like, yeah, I wish I was with like a real director who's not ripping people off and stuff like that, and he's like, you needed a music video, and this was and I he was speaking to the ripping off of The Exorcist, yes. not the song. Yes, yes, he was, but he's like, you needed a music video, Jim Carrey, and I needed. A supplemental, yeah. <laughs> I needed supplemental material for the movie. That's like the only reason we cast you. Oh, so he's not even in the movie. No, he cast him in the movie so that they could make this music video and use his song. I think is the implication. Wow, that's and that hurts my head a that little. It hurts bit. my head right now. Okay, so I'm not crazy to think that. I think I just sure. I was like, surely that's not what they mean, and blew past it. Yeah. Wow. Um. And so then Jim Carrey's like, dude, I got to get my fix. Well, so something malfunctioned on set. So they need some time to fix the exorcist dummy. Yeah. Um, and so they are filming in a meat locker like they did with the exorcist. They are, which was like, oh, nice touch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he, he apparently had promised Liam that he wasn't going to use while yeah. shooting. But he's already broken that promise because he's a drug addict. Yeah. And um, he's like, let me just go back to my trailer and just take care of it. 
Just let me take care of it. So he lets him go, goes back to his trailer, um, takes drugs, and is tripping out. Uh-huh. And someone shows up and dunks dumps something down his throat. That we don't see. Okay, so we that was never cleared up, right? No. So he was given no, something. No, they said it was a synthetic form of heroin. Oh, I thought that's just they assumed because he was injecting heroin. No, because um, I think Clint's like, why would someone who's got the real thing use something synthetic? Oh, so someone made him overdose? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's very confusing. That's where I think the science of longevity comes into ter- into play here. Ah, uh, <laughs> interesting. Um, so he's he dead. Yeah. And then we, we see this cut to this room that has all these movie posters by Peter... Swan? Peter Swan, the director who's played by Liam Neeson. Now, here's something I got to compliment the movie on. It great showed, posters? The posters were great, and they looked like real movies. Really liked them. And they had, like, like Hotel Satan, um, you check in, you never check out. They had, like, real taglines yeah. and real I posters and one, real I names. I liked the one that said... Evil hands are happy hands. Yeah. I liked that one too. And the, the artwork was really was really cool on it. Yeah, and sometimes those those details are just off. They're, yeah, they're so bad. And and it really felt like oh and they obviously just hired people who actually do that. <laughs> yeah. But it really what a did a fun job. Yeah. Um what uh, a fun job to have. <laughs> it it really did feel like um like, oh, I know who this director is. Like, this is like a Wes Craven type. This yep. is a George Romero movie. Like, it kind it really did a lot of work for you to know who Liam Neeson was yeah. without having to do anything. I couldn't quite tell, which I guess I probably, I guess I could have, because the press were at his shootings, which means that he's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, but I guess I, I was just, I was curious if his movies were actually good or not. Right. Which is not important to the story. But he makes that type of horror that even back then wasn't like, um, I don't know if like news would be clamoring to like. Well, I thought the news was state- clamoring oh, because of, of Johnny murder. Squares. That's why. Well, I think they're originally like Johnny Squares is in this. Oh. That's cool. And then he but dies. Obviously, Peter Swan was very prideful and proud. Prideful and proud. I mean, this is a movie about hubris at the end of the day. <laughs> but he was very proud of his work. Uh-huh. And it's like, he's, he gets let fan mail all the time from people yeah. who love him and people who want to kill him. Yeah. Um, but I, so I was just, that was just a pure curiosity. I, I was, I couldn't quite tell. I, the impression I got was like, you know, it's like Roger Ebert's not going to give his movie a good review, but in 20 years, yep. Roger Ebert's going to rewatch the movie and be like, oh, I didn't get it. Now looking at it with all that's happened afterwards. Yeah. Makes it better. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of, you know, a lot of those guys in that era, it's like they're not appreciated at the time, except uh-huh. for that group of horror fans that yeah. are always there and always ready to eat up anything. That's horrific. Yeah. Um, hounds, we like to call them, and we are two of those hounds. Mm-hmm. Woof, woof. Um, then they go to a restaurant, Harry and his partner. Um, well, like someone gets blown out of this restaurant. They're in Chinatown. As they're walking by. They're in Chinatown and they're like getting coffee. I don't know why they were in Chinatown other than because he has an American Chinese protect- <laughs> yeah. partner. Um, and the guy, the guy's like, what well, was that get, like, guy yelling like, at they you? They get like chased out of a, out of a store. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Clint's like, why, why was he yelling at you? And the guy's like, well, I used to be around with the gangs here when I was a kid. 
Yes, and then I was working on the gang detail in the in the police force, and that's why I wanted to move to homicide, so I wouldn't have to deal with gangs anymore. Yeah, that's kind of how he talks throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I think he showed up and did his job. I think so too. For th- what this movie is, hey, this is my favorite of the Dirty Harry <laughs> movies. Uh, so we're you know, but they happen to be there when someone gets blasted out of a restaurant. <laughs> totally blasted. Um, and there is a big robbery going down there so glad harry happened to be there yeah so that he can kill these people um so he goes into the restaurant starts shooting it up who cares if there's civilians just at anywhere and everywhere in the <laughs> restaurant he he's a sharpshooter and that's when we get the fortune cookie line yep and then we find out that the guy who was originally shot and blasted out of the restaurant is like the accountant on the hotel satan movie yeah Um, so, and when we were at Johnny squares and they were investigating his murder scene, yeah. Quan was like, celebrities always die in threes. And it's like, (laughs) where did you get that? And it made me think like, I was trying to, I don't know, think about Uh real things that happen. And it's like, is that a thing that people say? Uh, Let me look up if it's like a thing just by a a quick search. Because he said it like everyone knows this. Let's keep talking. Though. So, so yeah, it's the accountant of the movie was killed in that, but I feel like he just happened to be killed. Okay, uh, it's believed to have started when Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the big bo- booper, bopper, excuse me, <laughs> died in a plane crash together. And more recently, parts unknown star Anthony Bourdain, fashion designer Kate Spade, and the Goldberg star Jackson Odell all died within mere days of one another. Why? What is the celebrity death rule of threes? Uh, when one or our stars dies, two more tend to follow. But then there's an NBC article that says celebrities don't really die in threes, but here's why you think they do. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I guess it is a, a thing that people think. So I just thought it was a dumb thing they made up for the movie. Me too. Um, looks like the movie just went up a rating. I hardly think an accountant, though, is uh a, is considered a celebrity, a, a film accountant. A film, Jordan. But they're investigating. How dare you? They're investigating a murder, so they're just trying to connect any dots. Uh huh. What happens after the scene, though? Uh, so then they 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 go to the murder of Johnny Squares, and they're investigating it. And then the news no, hap- reporter shows up. Oh, oh, okay. Um, and and. Dirty Harry takes the camera and he's like, stop filming his girlfriend. That's not nice. And throws the camera and it breaks. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, it cuts to them being at the police office and she's there and she's like going to sue the city for breaking the camera. The news station is. Yeah. And she says, I'll I'll drop the lawsuit under one condition with me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, woof. But I will admit, when they're at dinner, she's like, "I want to get your side of the story." So I want to like, get your story. I want to profile you. Yeah, You're so the story. That was like, okay, that's different than what I thought. I thought she was just like those dreamy eyes, and that that's the the way that you hold your face. That's enough for me. Yeah. Um. Then him and his partner are working out at the gym. Well, okay, they go to dinner. Uh, yes, they go to dinner. Does that happen next? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, she wants his story. He's like, "Screw you." That's what I wrote. Yep, and he leaves. <laughs> she has a whole binder on him. Yeah, she's she been does. scrapbooking. Oh, she has, and she's gonna keep scrapbooking after this movie. <laughs> um, it was pretty funny. So his 
new partner is bench pressing and he's bench pressing what I assume and believe was 95 pounds mm-hmm. and he gets stuck because uh, Harry's too busy looking at some like 20 year old that's working out at mm-hmm. the same time. I just thought it was funny. It's 95 pounds. Mm-hmm. Anybody can lift that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it breaks the news story that the director of the movie and some other people, but particularly the director have a, a Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Which is just a, a sick game that they play where they predict when certain celebrities are going to die. Uh-huh. Now, this is the first movie of the sequels where the title actually relates to the movie. True. Because Magnum Force, Sudden Impact, uh, uh, The Enforcer. Oh, and then Dirty Harry. Yeah. Dirty Harry relates. But those three, they're just like random words, you know. True. But the Deadpool actually uh, connects. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, then he goes, well, so the, 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 um, Liam Neeson yeah. and the other people, they become suspects naturally. Right. Because of the Deadpool and Johnny Square's name was on it. Yeah. I, I don't think the accountant's name was on it. It was. Oh, so that's, I guess that's why they're I like, guess in this world, film accountants are celebrities. Yeah. So the two people who <laughs> <Yeah>. have died <laughs> are on this list mm-hmm. and Harry's name is also on the list. Right. Um, and the, the Deadpool was sent to the news station, not the police. Right. And so no one knows where it came from. So Harry's pissed and he wants to talk to the news reporter again. So they're going to go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. They go out to dinner. They do kind of a cool like Spielberg one where he, they go up this elevator. That was nice. Uh, they have dinner, they talk, they kind of see eye to eye a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of sharing information. Though these then two, they're attacked. These, no, 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 before that, oh, okay. those men at the bar recognize oh, Harry. Oh my gosh, And yeah. kind of throughout so far, he, the mob, because of what, what he, the inciting incident of him getting that mob boss in jail. Yeah. Um, his, the mob has been trying to put, to kill him. Yeah. So these two men recognize him and he thinks they're going to try and kill him. But all they wanted is an autograph. And it was pretty cute to see two yeah. full-grown men but it's so, ask a cop for an autograph. A cop for an autograph? <laughs> what are you talking about? I know he's like a local celebrity because he took down a pretty big crime person. But it's very strange. Yeah. And then they leave the restaurant and they get attacked in the yeah. elevator by the mob. Yes. And then there's a, a, a... Isn't there a long chase after that? Um, I don't think there's a long chase. I don't remember this being very long. Okay. But the... the so he has. I, I don't ex- remember how it ends. He it has this experience. Well, I mean, he kills him because yeah. he always well, does. Yeah, but um, he, so dirty. Samantha or Sam, whatever. She's like, I don't want to be the news. Uh-huh. That's her big takeaway from this. Yeah, yeah. So she's learning. Mm-hmm. Might have a character arc, kind of. A little bit. So then he's like, you know what? This guy locked up is chasing me down. I'm gonna go to San Quentin he's a, and talk TCOB. to him. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> And he finds the biggest guy in the building, and he has him stand there while he- Gives him a pack of cigarettes. Gives him a pack of cigarettes, has him stand there where he talks to the mob boss, and he just basically sets up this thing that's like, I this guy is going to kill you if any harm comes to me. Well, I, I like it. It's a, I really liked this part. He said, I am going to write a letter to this man every week. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to ask about, like, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get him some- perks this guy is like killed he's a murderer but i'm trying to help his situation because he's helping me um and i'm gonna you know want to know how he's doing and let him know how i'm doing and if one week goes by and he doesn't get a letter from me 
he's going to kill you. Yeah. I I was trying to look up the exact line, but it wasn't written there because yeah. it, it was a really good like monologue that yeah. he gave. Um, And so then the guy is like, he he's now going to eventually hire bodyguards for Harry for so Harry. that nothing happens to him. <laughs> yeah, which I, I like that. That's kind of a fun twist on what you expect. Yeah. Um, then we see slash shoot, shooting a harpoon in this movie. Yes. Um, and then the movie critic gets killed. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we did not see her prior to this, right? I think she was on TV at one point. Oh, she was on TV. Like talking about That's how right. bad his movies were. I couldn't remember who she was until they said. Yeah. So she is at home criticizing something on her computer. <laughs> Naturally. Don't we hate film critics? <laughs> they all deserve to die. <laughs> uh, like this lady in the scene. So person shows up. Um, he has a ponytail like Liam. Uh-huh. And he's speaking in an accent like Liam. But it's not I don't quite know right. how much they were trying to throw us off. I feel like this was the scene where they were like, you know that something that you know by now that uh, it's not Liam. Yeah. And it's someone impersonating I him. I kind of still thought it was Liam, and I was like, what's going on with his voice now? Because I was still confused about the voice thing. That's all me. Yeah. That's all me. Because you were like, it's not Liam anymore. <laughs> <laughs> also, his profile. Like, they never showed the person's face, but his profile was completely yeah, different. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a dummy on me. I'm getting a lot of dummies this year. <laughs> no, lo- just in this uh, season of your life. Um, <laughs> he So this guy kills the critic. Yeah. And, and then, she was on the Deadpool? Yeah, she was. Okay. And then there's a guy who's like, I'm the Deadpool killer. And he, I, he's going to light himself on fire in the middle of a street somewhere. Yeah. So um, reporter and Harry go there. Her name's Sam. Sam. Um, and they are like, Dude, what you know? What's going on? He wants to be on TV, and he will he, only talk to a reporter, someone he recognizes. So Harry poses as the cameraman. Sam yeah. is going to interview him. He's going to douse himself in gasoline, and he's self-immolation. I think is what it's called because uh, he's holding a flare. Uh-huh. Um, and they're trying to convince him out of it, and then. Sam's response is, you know what? No, we're not going to film you. We're not going to film this. Yeah, we're not going to give you what you want. Filmed. This yeah. is all you want. Um, but I will talk to you. Yeah. And I do want to hear your story, but we will not be filming it. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. No, it was good. Um, She's learning how to be better at her job mm-hmm. at, at on a moral level. Yeah. But the guy burns anyway by accident. But Harry saves but him. But Harry saves him. Um, well, I don't know how much he saves him. He tackles a man that's already on fire. But, but well, he gets him out of the path no, and then they does. can he, he they does, can get the extinguisher. Yeah. Um it's always Harry Savin. Come okay. on. Uh and then we're we're basically like, okay, the we're we're getting to, to the scene. I'm starting to laugh just thinking about it, but we're not going there yet. Um so uh uh, uh I wrote someone is setting him up, meaning Peter Swan. We now know for sure like he's being set up. Yeah. You know, there's conversations between Swan and Harry, and it's pretty clear that he didn't do it, and they just had to figure he out. He definitely has a chip on his shoulder, but he's not killing people. Yeah. And then there's another person on the Deadpool. And yeah, who's this guy? I don't remember. Okay, I never figured it out. Yeah. But he is just some, I mean, he must be some kind of celebrity in yeah. San Francisco, and he's in suburbia. <laughs> he's leaving for work. <laughs> He pulls out of his driveway and is in the middle of the road from what it looks like and checks himself. That That's when he decides to check his rear mirror. Oh, you're right. Um, I didn't put that but together. It, it gives this RC racer yeah. car 
a perfect amount of time to uh-huh. drive under his car and, and explode. explode. Which I was like, that is pretty interesting. Yeah, because I've all- never seen that before. Yeah, I was like, that that is a cool thing to do. Haven't seen it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then again, we're gonna the scene's coming up, but we're not quite there yet. So that part, cool, innovative. I liked it. I think the killer knew how cool it was too. I think he did. Um, and it, you know what's funny is something this movie does is sometimes you see something like that and you're like, they could have done more with that concept. And this and movie they says did. They did. we're gonna do more. They had with cake that and they ate it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and boy, I was glad to participate with that cake. So then, uh. Harry and and his partner are working out. They're running. And, and this is when we were like, Clint's never ran. Come on. Yeah. He, he's, he's from a generation where you don't jog. I know. He's jogging. And his partner, who's in much better shape. We've seen him do martial arts in the movie. He's clearly in yeah. much better shape than Clint Eastwood, who is like all white hair at this point. Yeah. he He's like, oh, I got to stop. And Clint, no breath being lost. I mean, this yeah. is just total. It's like one of those scenes, especially because he's a producer on the movie and stuff, where you know, like, we're Clint, not going to see him out of breath. Yeah, Clint Eastwood was like very intentional about mm-hmm. that fact. Like, no, he can be out of breath and stuff, but I'm not. Yeah. They find out that the guy from prison has bodyguards. There's like a chase scene. I liked that element. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and then they talk to Peter again, and they find out it might be this old fan that would basically go to Comic-Cons, and he had to do a restraining order because the guy started going crazy. And they found out this guy was, like, in a psychiatric situation yeah. for a little bit, too, so he's unstable. Yeah, so they're like, this could be the guy. Uh-huh. And then we have the best scene, probably, that we've covered this year, maybe <laughs> on our entire podcast. <laughs> The RC car is back and better than ever. Now, I am going to read to you uh, part of an article. Is this from the R- the RC magazine? It is a little bit long, but I, I need to set is the it? stage here. It is long. No, is it from the magazine? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Micah found this in a RC car magazine. Uh, yeah, so this is from Radio Control Car Action, the world's premier, premier RC magazine. I don't think it's still a magazine. No, I don't think so either, Micah. So here is the title. Jammin' J. Halsey shows Hollywood how it's done. (laughs) If ever there was an actor who exemplified the word austere, it would have to be Clint Eastwood. From his early spaghetti westerns in which he solemnly drifted in from nowhere and in a no-frills manner shot out and blew away all the bad guys to his later Dirty Harry roles where where only time and place have changed, he's a guy who gets the job done. Well... The dirty, hairy image has emerged once again in another celluloid spectacle called Deadpool. This new flick contains exciting segments that feature RC cars. Director Buddy Boy, Van is it exciting. <laughs> Director Buddy Van Horn insisted on the best RC car driver to do all the RC car stunt scenes. So they found an eight-year-old kid. <laughs> World champion. Jam and Jay Halsey was selected for the job. Jay and his father Jim spent a week and a half. How old is Jay? Uh, there was a picture. He was an he was a man, like a adult man. Okay, but when you say him and his father, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jay Halsey was selected for the job. Jay and his father Jim spent a week and a half on location in San Francisco filming all the RC car action. In one scene, Clint Eastwood is speeding down one of the hilly, <laughs> <laughs> one of the hilly San Francisco streets in his old Cutlass. Uh, this is the typical scene where a car goes speeding uh, downhill by Louis. D. Francesco and Gene Husting uh, comes to one of the cross streets. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I think I... They're setting up the scene. 
Yeah, comes to one of the cross streets, bounces over it with sparks flying everywhere, jumps off the ground, and lands with more sparks flying halfway down the street. The director explained the scene to Jay and asked him if he if he thought he could go fast enough with his RC-10 to keep up with Clint's old um, olds. Uh, Jay said he wasn't sure, but he'd try. Lowered for street racing, Jay asso- Jay's associated RC-10 used all black components, a black Parma cor- Corvette body, trick aluminum wheels, foam rubber tires, and, of course, a reedy motor on eight cells geared really high. On eight cells? <laughs> <laughs> At the top of the hill sat Clint in his olds and Jay with his RC-10. The two cars were flagged off. Both cars took off. But Jay was in front and pulling away. They came to the jump area, and Jay's RC-10, already in the lead, out-jumped Clint's Olds and parked at the end of the street to wait for Clint. The director couldn't believe it. He told Jay that he was going too fast and making the Olds look slow. The director reshot the scene so that Clint could be allowed to get to the bottom first. In another scene, Clint's Olds and Jay's RC-10 were racing alongside each other. Jay was told to drive his bomb-laden RC-10 at high speed underneath the Olds in an attempt to blow it up. A three-wheel motorcycle-type vehicle with a special camera mounted at ground level was used to follow the RC-10. Wow, that's pretty interesting Yeah, how they got that. Uh, the action scenes are incredible, but I don't want to give too much of, it, of the movie away. Don't miss it this summer. So, as people know from reading the article, yes, there is a very long car chase scene uh-huh. where an RC racing car is chasing uh-huh. Clint and his partner. That's crazy, right? Well, it gets even crazier. The person controlling the <laughs> RC car is behind the RC car. Uh-huh. And he is, not only is he driving his car, this, there's only one person doing this. He is by himself driving the car and controlling the RC car at the same time. And this is like not yeah yeah easy car chase. Yeah. That's wild. It, it is it is truly, and truly wild. And he keeps up with him the whole time and explodes his car. He's successful. So I'm trying to confirm that it's not a child really quick. Um, <laughs> so I'm pulling up a video that I think. Oh, yeah, he's. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a he's a, a he, he's a human male. Um, that, adult. That doesn't, adult okay, size. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I Jordan and I. We started <laughs> we started laughing <laughs> so hard that that I there's like a classic macaw trait that all four of us have uh my sister, my mom and my dad where if we get going laughing <laughs> once we hit like a certain pitch um it's like you can't breathe and then it's like a motor where it cannot be stopped <laughs> until we like completely run out of gas and I laughed for 4 minutes during this movie. I <laughs> at the top of my lungs like screaming laughing was i not <laughs> mm-hmm. because yeah. you have this little tiny car <laughs> and it's chasing what he should <laughs> and there's a there's a this particular moment that really it it was like okay maybe you know i'm gonna slow down but then it cuts to the car and kind of zooms in on the little car and then it cuts to Clint Eastwood's face and zooms in as he kind of like has a Western standoff with it and realizes what must be done. <laughs> and just seeing the moments where, you know, the car flies over a San Francisco hill and then it's like, you know, it's whoa. And then zzz, it was, it, it's truly, 
I mean, on a legitimate taking out the humor moment, it's actually an excellent action it's scene. Imp- it is impressive, but it is so it's silly. It's so funny. It's so silly because it's not just an RC car, but like one person is driving a car and controlling that car at the same time. What? Yeah. Yeah. It is It is so funny. That takes funny. skill. And this guy couldn't get away with murder by the end of the movie? And he can get, he can get away with this? <laughs> I also want to point out on the cover of the RC magazine, which I am going to be posting to our Twitter and our Facebook group, uh, which there will be links to both of those in the uh, episode notes. Um, on that, uh, the cover has a woman in a bikini laying next to an RC car, get as well as out. other get photos. Out. Get out. Because you know that they had to sex it up. They had to sex it up, yeah. Um, (laughs) But I found the whole thing. I can send it to anyone who wants to read about RC cars from 1988. Oh my goodness! Um, Jam and Jay Halsey really brought something to this movie. He jammed. Uh, Here's what I'll say: Um, If I were ever to direct an action movie and have a huge budget, I am going to have an RC car. I'm going to hire the world champion Uh to do it. Okay. because it, this was this was I mean, I I could go so far as to say that that this was better than um, almost every action sequence in Fast and Furious. Oh sure, of course. And and if in the next movie, which we'll have already seen and done an episode on, if a character has to use an RC car for some reason, I'm yeah, in. Yeah, why do they have to keep getting big? Why don't they go small? Well, remember in Fast and Furious Five. One of the good ones, they had to use an um like a remote control car to get into the bank vault, and that one was one but of the good ones. That was a full size car. No, they, remember they used um they used a like a detonation or something device that they used by remote control got in and then they brought their cars in. But I don't remember what, what exactly the remote, how they used it. What was but, the remote connected to? Um, it was what uh, was it controlling. It was some, uh, you know, like remote control car, like that, a small RC car for real. It was, it was bigger than like the RC in that. It was like the size of my amp, like car that was oh. driving around doing stuff. Let's get smaller than that, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean they did in this movie. Let's get Ant Man on the job. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and it's it's also funny reading that article and knowing that like an RC car could actually outrun the car. Uh-huh. So it uh, it's amazing. That's that's awesome. They did it, guys. And they really did it. And he I just was successful. Imagine, Go ahead. I just imagine if you and I were at the theater, there's no way, even if people were into it and stuff, we we would not have been able to contain ourselves. We would have been the annoying people we always talk about because I could <laughs> I not. I think everyone contain. else would have been laughing though. How are you not? <laughs> and the crazy thing is, the car was successful. It blew up Clint's car, and for some reason, Clint did not get a scratch on his body, and his, his partner, partner got like impaled, dies. like almost through the heart. Yeah. And was how it's hospitalized. It's it was so amazing. Yeah. I, this is my favorite Dirty Harry movie because of that scene. Oh my gosh. Because I would rather watch this one over than any of the rest. Okay. D- Dirty Harry 1 is a better movie, but I'm ranking this number 1 for me. That's because of the okay, sequence. That's fine. Yeah. It, it is unbelievable. It's a pretty bad movie. <laughs> it rocks. <laughs> um yeah. So then uh Basically, then he, I guess he... They Well, they discover, they, they get the man's address. They go to the man, the, the suspect's house. To yeah. turn, like, see all of the newspaper clippings, his obsession with Peter Swan, dead, the Deadpool stuff. Yeah. And is like, okay, I think this is our guy. While that's happening, uh-huh. the, the suspect calls Sam and says, I want to do an interview 
Well, he poses as Peter Swan. Right, right, And right. says, I want to do an exclusive interview with you. Meet me here or something. So her and her cameraman are, like, rushing. And I, now that I'm thinking about it, it's funny that he had already convinced her of this. To to meet her, to meet him at a certain location. I don't know why he needed to, like, stalk them in the parking garage and kill the cameraman. But he did. And he kidnaps oh, yeah. Sam. <laughs> and takes her to this warehouse that has all this movie memorabilia shrine like stuff to Peter yeah. Swan and is like torturing her and and playing the Guns and, and, and Roses he, Welcome to the Jungle song again. He like th- this guy's like so obsessed with Peter Swan it's as if he like he truly believes he is him uh-huh. kind of thing. They don't really get into the psychosis of this character. And by the time we right, get there, right. I really just don't care. Well, we've seen an RC car chase Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I I I have no complaints. 10 yeah. out of 10. If anything with all of the horror, like it's a horror director and they're shooting a horror movie and stuff. I kind of, I wish there was more like horror elements. Sure. Sure. Um, and maybe more horror like tropes in the way that it was shot or something yeah. that would have made this movie way more fun. And I, and yeah. I know how can the movie get more fun yeah. than the racing? I know that, but I mean, just mean thematically, I think it would be more fun. Yeah. Cause uh, basically it's resolved, right? Do we have yeah. to go into the well, Clint shows up? They, it's a long like chasing long chase, each other on foot which of course ends as anyone could guess with him having a giant harpoon gun and killing the oh, villain so who's comical. run out of guns so i don't can you actually Bullets, lift I that mean. i don't those, know those things are mounted on a boat <laughs> yeah i don't know if you can lift that i don't think you it can. looked like cartoon character <laughs> level but he, yeah, once the the murder, the suspect has used up all of his bullets. He's like, you're out of bullets. That's the appropriate time to Arrest kill, <laughs> to murder yeah. the murderer with yeah. a harpoon. Yeah, that's great. But yeah. it's Dirty Harry, and that's what he does. Yeah. Um, And then he saves Sam, and the credits roll. Which is awesome. I love that. It, it always makes us chuckle when it. When I, these know, I know. I uh, know. It just freaking rules. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, uh, one thing I want to point out as we close it up: his character never underwent a single change in any of the five no. movies. No, no. His partners don't really do anything ever. The the woman partner kind of did. And his partner in the second movie kind of did. But for the most part, they don't really do or help him with the cases in any way. Yeah. Uh, So that's funny. Um, And then finally, you asked about, or no, you didn't, but, uh, or maybe you did. What's the future for Dirty Harry? I didn't ask. Okay, I guess I just. I think you were asking. So what's the future? Well, Eastwood has something to say about it. Oh, I think I said, yeah, they should make, do you think he would do one today? I think I did ask. Yeah, okay. So Eastwood has publicly announced that he has no interest in acting in another Dirty Harry film. In 2000, he jokingly spoke about potential sequels. Dirty Harry 6, Harry is retired. He's standing in a stream fly fishing. He gets tired of using the pole, and ba-boom. Or Harry is retired and he catches bad guys with his walker. Uh Uh-huh. So even he knows he's old. So So that's it. That's that. That's it. They're not making any more. Okay. So we've we finished another series, Jordan. Awesome. Uh, let's rank them, and then let's tell people the next series if they didn't catch it on last episode. So for me, from best to least, uh-huh. we got the first movie, Dirty, Dirty Harry. Yeah. Um, what's the fourth one? Sudden Impact. Sudden Impact is number two. Yeah. Um, what's this? The Enforcer. Magnum Force. Magnum is the Force second movie. is the third. Is my third on my list second movie in the series 
this movie's fourth, uh-huh. the Deadpool and the Enforcer, yeah, is the worst one. Uh, I'm already forgetting one. Oh, that's the one with the woman detective. Yeah, yeah, that one's just so awful. So from least to greatest, the Enforcer, bottom of the pile. Then I'm gonna go with um, Magnum Force. No, no, no. Yeah, Enforcer. Then number four, Magnum Force. Number three, Sudden Impact. Number two, Dirty Harry. <laughs> and number one, I'm doing the Deadpool. Great, good for you. <laughs> Uh, this has been fun. So what is the next series? Well, let me look at the calendar, actually. Well, you can tell them what the next series is. It is pitch perfect. We are taking, after covering X-Men, we took a hard left to cover mm-hmm. Dirty Harry, and now we are taking another hard left to cover Pitch Perfect. I don't know what the series after that is, but if we're taking another hard left, three lefts do make a right, so <laughs> maybe it'll all come back around. Actually, that tracks. Great three lefts do make a right in this case yeah okay um okay so uh on patreon you can listen to our episode on david fincher's zodiac um and it is the month of july it's the end of it just a reminder um we have our audiobook collections mm-hmm. they're out there but i think i'm putting ads in these so you'll know about it never mind yeah. forget i said anything go to patreon.com slash sign up today or pay the price the ultimate price death Ha, 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 ha.